you're listening to the Telltale Channel. Don't forget to check me out on all social media, Patreon, Twitter, Teespring, and Etsy. All links can be found in the description or on my website, telltaleatheist.com. A UK court just ruled that a 15-year-old Jehovah's Witness must have a life-saving blood transfusion, despite her objections based on religious grounds. She has sickle cell syndrome, a condition where the blood cells that carry oxygen through your bloodstream are cut in half. It's actually an evolutionary adaptation to protect against certain diseases, but it means that the person is at higher risk for strokes, among other things. According to the judge, quote, Although the teen is intelligent and able to make her own decisions, she must not be allowed to die. This is a pretty big deal. It might even be precedent-setting. According to the article found on metro.co.uk, the judge recommended the high court examine whether the girl should have more say on treatments, including blood transfusions, before she turns 18. This is a step in the right direction. We have no way of knowing how many people don't make it out as a result of outrageous, outdated rules on blood transfusions. But it's not zero, and that means it's too many. QAnon has fallen silent after Election Day. Until now. For those of you who don't know, the QAnon cult is controlled by a poster who goes by Q Clearance Patriot, or just Q for short. He's posted multiple times per day on a website called QPosts.online, up until November 3rd. His last few posts were on the days leading up to the election. On October 31st, he said, Are you ready to finish what we started? Nothing can stop what's coming is not just a catchphrase. Q. Are you ready to hold the political elite accountable? Q. Are you ready to take back control of this country? Q. Then, on election morning, he said that this nation under God shall have a new birth of freedom and that government of the people, by the people, for the people, shall not perish from the earth. Abraham Lincoln, November 1863. Together we win. Q. Then, complete radio silence. Finally, November 12th and 13th, he sent a flurry of posts. November 12th, 9 a.m. Nothing can stop what's coming. Nothing. Q. Same day, an hour later. Shall we play a game? Nothing can stop what's coming. N-C-S-W-I-C. Then a couple links to CISA.gov. Then he said, who stepped down today? Forced. More coming? Why is this relevant? How do you show the public the truth? How do you safeguard U.S. elections post-POTUS? How do you remove foreign interference and corruption and install U.S.-owned voter ID laws and other safeguards? It had to be this way. Sometimes you must walk through the darkness before you see the light. Then, finally, a single word on November 13th at 12.20 in the morning. Durham. Q. So is Q acknowledging the Biden victory with this? How do you safeguard U.S. elections post-POTUS? It had to be this way? What are they trying to imply with this post? Are they saying that Biden won, or are they trying to rev people up in preparation for something bad? Hard to tell. We're just going to have to sit back and watch QAnon's reactions. Pastor John Bernstein has been making big waves lately. Not long ago, he got banned from Patreon, YouTube, and basically everywhere else for encouraging some disturbing stuff in Trump's name. He used to have around 150,000 followers across different platforms, but since then, he set up his own website and hosts his shows himself. Last I heard, he said he was putting his website behind a paywall. It costs at least $1 per month to gain access to everything. Basically, his own Patreon system. But that's not why we're talking about him. In a recent podcast episode, he urged Trump to take, quote-unquote, drastic action to stop Democrats from supposedly stealing the election. Here's what he said. I think we need drastic, and I mean drastic measures, in order to change what's going on. The first thing I would do if I was President Trump is I would call the Insurrection Act in right now. Right on, right on, rah, rah. The first thing you do is you quell all violence and you stop all violence with the military or the National Guard. The second thing you do 
declare martial law in the country right now, and you send in armed military and National Guard folks into every single one of these swing states where they are counting ballots, and you force them to stop counting ballots right then and there, and if not, they are taken away by the military and arrested. This coming from the crowd that believed for eight straight years that Obama was going to declare martial law and refuse to leave office. This is the strangest, most bizarre shit I have ever seen. It's like they're pro-freedom and democracy as long as it goes their way. The moment they think they can seize power, they're against freedom and democracy. They have no concept of forbearance. You want to limit what the president is allowed to do. You want to limit what Congress is allowed to do. Sure, it might help you right now, but what about the next Congress or president? They might not be on your side and they're gonna have the exact same power. Well, there's a simple solution to this problem. Just don't ever let your enemy take power, right? Why didn't we think of this before? Of course we're okay with the president jailing political opponents. Of course we're okay with censoring free speech. Doesn't bother them at all. We just have to make sure they stay in power so it doesn't happen to our side. Is this disturbing to anybody else? You might remember Pastor Robert Jeffers from some of my clips. I've been talking about him for a long time. He's a famous megachurch pastor and another representative for the evangelical voting bloc. Ultra-homophobic, ultra-hateful person, and as such, is a perfect representative for evangelicals. He even got in trouble a while back for outright endorsing a political candidate, which is unconstitutional. As a 501 charity organization, i.e. a church, he's not allowed to endorse one political candidate over another. He endorsed Mike Pence for a 2024 run after Trump won re-election in 2020. Obviously, that didn't happen, and I doubt the first bit will either. But Jeffress surprised me the other day by writing an op-ed on Fox News's website. Here's what he said. Quote, it appears that former Vice President Joe Biden will become the 46th president of the United States on January 20th, unless President Trump succeeds in legal challenges to the counting of votes in several states. For millions of Christians across our nation, this is a bitter pill to swallow. Here is our chance to show that Christians are not hypocrites. End quote. Well, I just want to point out the fact that evangelical voters are hypocrites. They talk about how sacred marriage is while voting for a dude who's been through multiple affairs and divorces. They talk about how it's easier for a camel to fit through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of God. But then they vote for Trump and donate everything they have to people like Robert Jeffress. But I digress. Let's continue reading. Quote, We serve a God who remains on his throne, sovereignty reigning over every square inch of his vast universe. We serve a God who loves us and will never leave or forsake us. And now we have the chance to show the consistency and constancy of our Christian witness to this world. When Joe Biden becomes president, we should commend him for the things he does right. We should condemn him for the things he does wrong. And above all, we must pray fervently for our president. If President Biden succeeds, we all succeed. May God bless Joe Biden and may God bless the United States of America. End quote. That's fascinating. I actually said the same thing when Trump got elected. His success means our success. We have a giant orangutan in the cockpit right now. Nobody wants to see the plane go down because that means we're all fucked. We want the orangutan to land it safely. High chances? No. But his success is our success. So while praying isn't going to do a goddamn thing for us, we can at least root for him and scold him when he fucks up. Turns out his time in the cockpit was basically one fuck up after another. So there was very little rooting going on. Either way, I'm glad to see some evangelical pastors getting behind Joe Biden. And I'm glad to see world leaders recognizing him as president-elect. Because the less legitimacy people give to the big orange orangutan in the cockpit, the easier the transition from him to a real pilot is going to be. 
Anybody remember Pastor Tony Spell? He's the guy who tried to run over the protester with the bus. The pastor who said he wouldn't stop super-spreading church services, even if it meant his entire congregation was wiped out by the pandemic. He was court-ordered to hold his services online instead of in person, and he refused, so he was put on house arrest. And once again, he held church services anyways. He kept appealing, 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 until he had no options left. Finally, the lockdown lifted in his state, so it didn't matter anymore. People like this should be jailed for their crime. Seriously. How many people did his congregation get sick? Anyways, he just lost a lawsuit against the Louisiana governor's pandemic restrictions. Here's a quote from U.S. District Judge Brian Jackson. Governor Edwards' proclamations have always treated comparable secular institutions similarly to comparable religious institutions. In the earliest days of the pandemic, the only business or individuals who were treated more leniently than religious organizations were essential workers and businesses, such as healthcare workers and grocery stores. With every restriction on places of worship, identical or more stringent restrictions have been placed on similarly situated secular businesses. Indeed, religious organizations have often been privileged over similar secular businesses. End quote. I'm actually surprised by this. A judge in Louisiana, of all places, sides with safety rather than churches. Good for him. Is this going to stop Tony Spell from taking part in super spreader events? Of course not. According to Hemant Mehta on the Friendly Atheist website, Louisiana isn't even as restrictive as it should be. Quote, Rather than prohibiting gatherings of 10 or more people or anything like that, the current order allows churches to be filled to 75% of their capacity. So at this point, the dude's just bitching for the sake of bitching. He wants to infect as many people as possible. There is no other explanation for it at this point. If you want to leave a voicemail, the number is 1-800-701-8573. Hey, this is Owen. If you're comfortable, leave your first name and state at the sound of the tiny truck backing up. Hey, this is Harrison. I had a question about if you were worried about people helping with the election and maybe trying to help Biden a little too much and doing unethical things and if that might come back to haunt them. Interesting question. I just want to make a, a quick point. I haven't heard anything about people helping Biden too much. I am for democracy. I am in favor of democracy, period, like full stop. If Trump won, I would have accepted those results. I'm not going to tear down democracy because Trump won. In this case, Biden won. And again, I am in favor of democracy. I want it to be free and fair. I haven't seen any evidence of anybody doing anything suspicious or shady in Biden's favor. And nothing has come out in court to show that there was any fraud. If there is legitimate fraud against Biden proven in court, I'll take that information and, and go from there. So far... No evidence of fraud whatsoever. With that being said, it doesn't have to be illegal to be immoral. The two things are different from each other, and I, I, I do recognize that. It can be technically within legal bounds and still really, really wrong. I haven't seen anything like that coming from Biden's camp. I haven't seen any kind of unethical or immoral behavior, you know, tied to the election at all. I mean, I'm not saying it didn't happen. I just have not seen it. Again, n not enough evidence. If somebody is doing something immoral to erode the foundations of democracy in the U.S., even if they're on Biden's side, I have a problem with that. I had a question about if you were worried about 
people helping with the election and maybe trying to help Biden a little too much and doing unethical things and if that might come back to haunt him. I haven't heard of any unethical things that anybody has done. I mean, this is a country of 350 million people. That's a lot of fucking people. And it's really actually hard to conceptualize just how big that is. But so I'm sure that it probably happened somewhere, somebody. But I don't know who, and I haven't seen any evidence of it, and I don't know what they could have possibly done that was unethical or, or immoral in any way. So anyways, my stand is I believe in democracy, full stop. I'm Matthew from Colorado. If you were able to go back in time and stop your parents from becoming a Jehovah's Witnesses, would you do that knowing that your entire life would be very different? Thank you. An interesting question. I think he said my grandparents. Um, let me give you a little bit of a history of my family. My grandparents were actually not Jehovah's Witness. I don't know what they are now technically, but last I heard, which was a few years back, my grandmother is Lutheran, which is, I believe, from the Calvinist branch of Christianity, which typically believes in predestination. Everything is already predetermined before you're born, and your life is just playing out exactly as it was supposed to, exactly as God planned, beginning to end. Uh, my grandfather, on the other hand, was a Sunday school teacher for many, many years, um, and when he and my grandmother had their first child, they named it after him. And the child died at nine months old, I think, or somewhere in there. But basically, my uncle died at nine months old of pneumonia complications. Uh, I could be getting that wrong. Anyways, my grandfather goes to the preacher over the church that he was teaching Sunday school at and said, why did God allow this to happen? And the preacher said, God needed another angel in heaven, so he took your son. And from that moment on, my grandfather says that he's an atheist. This is like in the 1950s, probably 1952. Um, he said that he's been an atheist ever since then. He's also an extremist uh, Republican and has been this whole time. He is, he's a huge Trump supporter. Like, this is my mom's parents. Massive Trump supporter. And I don't really see how you can be a diehard Republican for 50, 60, 70 years of your life and not ultra-religious, like super mega televangelist watching giga-Christian. I don't know how those two things like work without each other. So anyways, whatever. You know, he says he's an atheist. He's an atheist. That's, you know, those labels are self-assigned. My grandfather can say he's an atheist or he's a Christian or he can say he's a Muslim if he wants. It does not make any difference to me. And I have no place to tell him what he is or isn't. So anyways, my, my grandfather is an atheist uh, and my grandmother is a Lutheran. When my mom was in her late teens or early 20s, I believe. She was in the Air Force, and she met my dad, I think in Texas. They ended up getting married, and they had a really rocky relationship because my dad was very abusive, extremely abusive, 
to my mom and then later on to us. So my mom ended up divorcing my dad after having two kids with him, which is my older brother and my older sister. And then after they got divorced, my mom started talking to Jehovah's Witnesses, started studying the Bible with them, blah, blah, blah. And my dad all the while has been trying to get back with my mom, trying to remarry her, get in her good graces and all that shit. So my mom said to my dad, this is coming from her mouth. She told me this. My mother told me this. She said, she told my dad, if you don't study to be a Jehovah's Witness with me and get baptized with me, you will never see the kids again. If you do study to become a Jehovah's Witness with me, then we will get remarried. That's what she said to him. Her words, not his words. So I have no reason to question or dispute that. So my dad ended up joining Jehovah's Witnesses with her. They both got baptized. They both got married again. And then they had my older brother and me. Total of four of us. So the, the question was, would I rather my parents, I guess, have not joined Jehovah's Witnesses? Would that be a better situation for me? I don't know. I don't think so. My parents weren't really great people. So either way, I would kind of be fucked. I would probably currently be below the poverty line still if I hadn't harnessed this ex-Jehovah's Witness stuff in my life. I lived in poverty for the majority of my adult life until I started YouTube just a few years ago, and now I'm not below the poverty line. The Jehovah's Witness situation in my life has altered my life's path permanently and altered my personality permanently. I have no way of knowing who I would be without Jehovah's Witnesses. Though it affected me very negatively, but it gave me an opportunity to help other people who are experiencing the same thing. If only by just talking about my own experiences. I mean, that seems to have helped people in itself. Just by talking about it, and showing them that I experienced the exact same thing, and then it wasn't okay. So the question is, would I rather have not been born Jehovah's Witness? I think being born Jehovah's Witness gave me insight into it in such a way that it enabled me to fight the organization with, real, with a real cause and real experience behind me. So I think I would still be a Jehovah's Witness because I feel like I've managed to help a lot of people come out of it as a result of my bad experiences. I will take one for the team. It seems like it was worth it. Sasha Campbell. Driving a semi, I take my life in my hands every time I go to a truck stop where no one is wearing a mask. I can't even imagine. What the hell is wrong with people? Seriously, why is this a culture war problem? I'll tell you why, actually. I know why. Because Donald Trump decided to die on this hill. If he had encouraged mask use, we would likely be in a very different situation right now. I don't know why he decided to die on this hill. It's like the hydrochloroquine thing. Why? Why die on this hill? If you really, really want, just say, my advisors told me wrong. They told me hydrochloroquine meant something and it didn't. 
So now we're looking at remdesivir or whatever other treatments are happening. He didn't have to take the blame in the very, very beginning when he started talking about hydrochloroquine. Just say, my advisors told me wrong. So now I have the facts. Hydrochloroquine is worthless. Let's move on to the next possible treatment. Why did he die on that hill? Why did he make such a stupid mistake like that and quadruple down on it? The same with the masks. Why? Why do that? He's a fucking moron. I swear, there's no other explanation for this. Artemis brain sample. I can't wait to see how much federal tax Don pays after turning assets into enough cash to pay off the loans that we're aware of that are coming due. If he doesn't start paying his loans back soon, they can just repossess shit. They can just walk into his house and fucking take it. I will be interested to see how that plays out. What a monster this guy is, man. Seriously. It, it's like, I saw a tweet the other day. I forget exactly what it said. It said something like, at this point, the country can be grouped into two categories. Those who saw the con early and those who still don't realize it's a con. It's so fucking sad. It's like the Republican Party was primed and organized in such a way over the past 20 years, 30 even, that it was building into a cult. Nixon was trying to form it into kind of a cult-like system, but I don't feel like Nixon was quite smart enough to know how to do it. Who owns Fox News? It Rupert Murdoch? I think Rupert Murdoch met Richard Nixon in the 60s and talked to him, and he was like, oh, TV's not a gimmick, sir. Nixon hated TV appearances. He was like, yeah, I'm so sick of this gimmick. I don't want to make these appearances. Rupert Murdoch met him for the first time. This is before Fox News existed, and he said, TV's not a gimmick. This is where it's going. And he got involved in Nixon's campaign, helping him, and eventually started Fox News. I believe that's who it was, Rupert Murdoch. I could be wrong on that name, but anyway, from that point on, from from you know, the creation of Fox News onward. It, it, it's always been intended to be a propaganda network. And when the 80s and the 90s televangelists came along and started trying to intertwine religion and politics, Fox News saw it as a perfect opportunity to manipulate people. It's perfect. Religion is the perfect way of getting obedient slaves to do anything you tell them to do, anything. So Fox News embraced evangelicalism from the 80s and 90s, from Billy Graham and Jerry Falwell Sr. and others, the people really trying to tie the Republican Party to evangelicalism. They were heavily involved in Fox News. And as time went on from that moment, they started forming it into a cult, the Republican Party. We can thank Rupert Murdoch, the Koch brothers, Billy Graham, and Jerry Falwell Sr. for the fact that the Republican Party at this point in time is a death cult. I say that without a lick of irony. I'm dead serious on this. And all it needed was a charismatic leader to come along and take the reins. That was Donald Trump. He did it. 2016. He wouldn't have succeeded 
if Fox News and all of the Republican outlets hadn't backed Trump. All the senators and all of the congressmen all came out and started speaking for Trump, in favor of Trump, treating him like he was a hero, like he was a god. I mean, just listen to Rand Paul getting up there on stage with Trump. Listen to how he talks about him. Listen to how uh, Lindsey Graham talks about Donald Trump now, not, not back then. They made him what he is, and they could just as easily ruin him if they wanted. But they've chosen not to. So, the Republican Party at this point, the party is a cult. Not conservatism, not libertarian values, none of that shit. The Republican Party is a cult. I wanted to take a look at this article on the Friendly Atheist website, but it's been circulating all over the internet lately. It's getting a lot of attention, as it well should. But the article is entitled, Jehovah's Witnesses Forced a Teen to Listen to Audio of Her Own Rape. So give us 30 seconds, and we'll be right back. You're listening to the Telltale Channel. Don't forget to check me out on all social media, Patreon, Twitter, Teespring, and Etsy. All links can be found in the description or on my website, telltaleatheist.com. article is entitled Jehovah's Witnesses Forced a Teen to Listen to Audio of Her Own Rape. Obviously, this is a, a pretty serious situation, and I don't expect monetization out of this. I'm just going to try to be watching my language, if possible, so that it doesn't get age-restricted, because I want this to be viewed by the maximum number of people, and that means watching the words that I use. So... Let's give the article a read and see what it says. This is by Val Wild. Earlier this week, the Utah Supreme Court heard a horrific case alleging that more than a decade ago, Jehovah's Witness leaders psychologically tortured a 15-year-old girl by forcing her to listen to an audio recording of her own rape. The woman, whose name we have chosen not to print here, good idea probably, says that a fellow congregant four years her senior first raped her in December of 2007. It happened multiple times and recorded at least one of those instances. Then, for unknown reasons, he provided a copy of the recordings to the congregation's leadership. I would be willing to bet that his reason for doing that um, was probably because he felt some level of guilt over it. That probably drove him to basically turn himself in. That happens all the time. I turned myself in when I was leaving the religion, when I was on my way out. I told the Jehovah's Witnesses everything. Like, there was a kid in the congregation who was, like, following me around and watching what I did and reporting it to the elders and all that. But when it all came down to it, when I was confronted about it, I just came out and told them. I could have lied about it. I could have tried to hide it and stayed in the religion. And in hindsight, that probably would have been the best way to go. But um, I felt so guilty that I had smoked a cigarette and I had a girlfriend that I had to tell them everything. And I'm guessing that that's probably what the motivations were behind this person giving it over to the congregation's leadership, the elders. So anyways, let's continue reading the article. 
Given that the age of consent in Utah is 18, those leaders should have taken the evidence directly to law enforcement and reached out to offer the girl support in seeking justice while demanding that the rapist take responsibility for his actions and, and attempt to make amends. 100% agree with you on that. 100% agree. Why the fuck didn't they take this information to law enforcement? I will tell you why. This is the main issue that I have with Jehovah's Witnesses, or one of the main ones at least. The organization wants to be structured in such a way that when society inevitably collapses, as they believe it will, when Armageddon comes, they want to be set up as a government that will take leadership and control of people's lives once the you know, U.S. government and the EU and every other government in the world collapses because of the war between Satan and God, basically. They want to be positioned in such a way that they form out their own government. And as a result of that, this was treated as a spiritual matter rather than the criminal matter that it is. Turning this information over to law enforcement is basically ceding governmental leadership to the U.S. government. And that's not what they do. They don't believe in that. They want to run their own government. Unfortunately, um, they don't have investigators, and they, don't, they can't violate people's rights by jailing them, for example. So they are completely unqualified to act as a government. Like, they, they shouldn't be doing this. They should have turned it over to the police from the start. Anyway, let's continue reading. Given that the age of consent in Utah is 18, those leaders should have taken the evidence directly to law enforcement and reached out to offer the girl support in seeking justice while demanding that the rapist take responsibility for his actions and attempt to make amends. Of course, that's not what happened. Big surprise. Premarital sex is a sin in their faith, so a tribunal of church elders, tribunal being the judicial committee, the Judicial Committee convened in an attempt to convince her to confess. They wanted her to admit that she'd engaged in consensual sex outside the bonds of matrimony. The meeting during which they played the recording repeatedly lasted at least four hours. That's standard for a Judicial Committee. I think mine was only like an hour, hour and a half. Oop, Kitty wants to leave, okay. She was, at the time, still a minor. The tribunal convened in 2008. After suffering from trauma symptoms that impacted her day-to-day -day life for years, she filed a lawsuit alleging intentional infliction of emotional distress, or, to put it in simpler terms, emotional abuse. She wanted those leaders to be held accountable for traumatizing her. Can't fucking blame her on that one. Can't fucking blame her on that one. They deserve it. In my eyes, what the Judicial Committee or what the... What the Jehovah's Witness leadership did here, as far as I'm concerned, this is a crime that they committed. This is horrific. This is obviously a horrific situation. Who in their right mind would do this to somebody? Who sat there and thought to themselves, you know, I think that's the right thing to do. I think the right thing to do is to play this. This is such a fucking disgusting and horrific situation. It, it, it's hard to bear, but let me continue on. The main problem that I see with this is the fact that nobody in their right mind should sit there and think to themselves, this is the right thing to do. We should play this in front of her. We should play this for her to listen to. We should. We should do this. 
How did they come to that conclusion? Anybody in their right mind would not do that, right? Like even the, the, you would have to be sadistic to do something like this. The problem here is the fact that the elders and Jehovah's Witnesses more generally have largely adopted the moral system of this overarching ideology. The governing body defines the morality and the Jehovah's Witnesses pick it up. Morality and conscience is something that forms over your entire life. It isn't something that you can switch on and off. There's something in the back of your mind, usually, telling you, this is wrong, I shouldn't be doing this. How did that get switched off with these people? It does not just switch off. It takes years of programming to form out an entirely new moral system that's structured around an ideology like this. These people, if they hadn't been Jehovah's Witnesses, would have known full well how fucking wrong this was to do. The moral system that they picked up from Jehovah's Witnesses pushes that aside, sweeps it aside, and forgets it. The moral thing to do is to play this for this girl to see her reactions. The moral thing to do is to not call the police but handle it internally. That's what they're thinking. That's what's going through these people's heads. This is a result of a, a complete personality change in the leadership, in, in all of the members. That's what's happening here. This is what defines a cult. If it's forming out an entirely new personality, if it's trying to force you to use their doctrine as a moral system instead of your conscience, it's a cult. That's the foundation of a cult. Let's keep reading. In addition to the four elders who participated directly in the tribunal, she sued her local kingdom hall and the Watchtower Bible and Tract Society, the nationwide organization that governs the witnesses as an organization. The case initially came before the second judicial district court in 2016. That's a U.S. government court, not, the, not a judicial committee from Jehovah's Witnesses. While that court admitted at the hearing that it would have no hesitation about proceeding with the case if the abuse had taken place in a secular setting, the religious angle complicated matters. Why? Why does this complicate matters? How, how could this possibly complicate anything? Something is either morally wrong or it's morally right. There are no ifs, ands, or buts about it. This should not be complicated by religion. It was morally wrong for the elders to do this. Period. It doesn't matter if it was in a church or on a fucking balcony or anything. doesn't matter if it was in another country. It's morally wrong to do. So what does the secular setting have to do with this? Let's keep reading. Ultimately, they ruled that holding the church liable for traumatizing a young teenager would violate the leader's First Amendment right. Are you fucking kidding me? Not reporting a crime to the police is violating people's First Amendment rights? Give me a fucking break. There was a crime committed, and they didn't want to report it to the police. How do, I don't understand how the judge came to this conclusion. This guy should be disbarred or, or 
kicked out or impeached or whatever the fuck happens to judges. This is insane to say that another way because these leaders allegedly traumatized a girl in a religious setting for religious reasons. There's a legal discussion taking place over whether the courts can do anything about it at all. It shouldn't matter where this happens. Robert Friedman of the Institute for Constitutional Advocacy and Protection, who's serving as the plaintiff's attorney, says the lower courts got it wrong. While he and his colleagues acknowledged that religion was a motivating factor for the elders' behavior, their appeal argues that it cannot justify their clearly reprehensible actions. This is a quote from them. The Establishment Clause's prohibition on government action respecting an establishment of religion does not immunize intentionally tortuous conduct. Tortuous being um, a tort. Uh, I think it's referring to a tort. I learned about this in some law classes I took in high school or something. A tort is a wrongful act or an infringement of a right other than under contract, leading to civil legal liability. Um, so the, the tortuous conduct that to which they're referring here, it's a legal infraction, basically. Like the seriously harmful acts at issue here, simply because the tort feaster has a religious motive or the conduct somehow relates to religious discipline. That rule, if allowed to stand, would give actors free reign to injure others under the guise of religious freedom. Could not agree with this more. Imagine a religious person believing that they have to sacrifice somebody to maintain their good graces with God. Okay, here's a good example. There are some Satanists, a Satanist cult called um, or the Order of Nine Angles. It is an extremist cult who literally believes in blood sacrifice. You have to kill somebody to fulfill your worship to Satan. It, it's very, very extreme. Now, usually these people work around the laws by joining the military or joining the police force. Then they say the prayer after killing somebody, and their worship has been fulfilled. So, technically, falling within legal bounds. Morally fucking wrong. Don't get me wrong there, period. Morally fucking wrong. But, what if they just started going around killing people just because? Just because they wanted to fulfill their worship. Would they have free reign to do that because it's a church? Because it's a religious belief? Can they just go around killing whoever they want? That's basically what's happening here. That's basically what's being said by these judges. That it's okay to do literally anything if it's your religious belief that you should. What are these people thinking? Where the fuck are their heads? This is insane. Let's keep reading. This is back to the quote. When a defendant violates an independent and religiously neutral principle of civil law, the Establishment Clause imposes no obstacle to relief, even if that defendant asserts that he was motivated by a religious belief. This is Van Wilde speaking now. Defense attorney Cara Porter, described on her firm's website as one of the most experienced and successful appellate lawyers in Utah, argues that the government is legally prohibited from meddling in a church's efforts to determine whether a congregant has committed a sin. She also argued that while she would draw the line at physical torture, infliction of emotional distress is clear cut, is less clear cut. I'm sorry. Infliction of emotional distress is less clear cut. Justice Dino Himonus had a strong and succinct response to that. Quote, 
The allegation here is a mental and emotional equivalent of waterboarding. I've been a judge for a long time and a lawyer for a long time. I've never seen in court anything like this that's alleged. This is Van Wilde speaking again. But not everyone on the bench was quite so confident in the court's ability to draw lines separating permissible acts from emotionally abusive ones. Judge Paige Peterson offered up a philosophical objection as reporter Annie Knox noted, quote, Judge Peterson said the answer may be a matter of degrees. Simply convening the church tribunal process could distress a person in the faith who knows the conduct is viewed as a sin, Peterson noted. On the other end of the spectrum, she said, a group may believe it must do anything necessary to find out what happened, even if the process includes torture. Jesus Christ, dude, it's not their responsibility to do this. It's the investigator's responsibility. It's the police's responsibility. This is the core issue with Jehovah's Witnesses. They want to be the government. They want to be in control and manage the people like a government is supposed to. But they live inside the U.S. They have to live within the confines of the law. They can't do that shit. And they don't even have the resources anyways to act as investigators, even if they wanted to. They're not allowed to do blood tests or DNA tests. They're not allowed to take fingerprints and compare it to a national database or, or any of the other shit that goes along with investigating. They're, they're not investigators. They shouldn't be doing this shit. They shouldn't be involved at all. Give this information to the court system, give it to the police, and let them figure it out. Don't torture people over it. Sadly, this situation isn't that rare. This isn't the only case. The Jehovah's Witnesses have been sued for something similar so many times and lost so many times that they had to sell their giant headquarters in New York to pay for the lawsuits, to pay the fines that they were charged, to pay for the settlements. I hope that this serves as an example to the Watchtower Society, that you have to follow the law and you have to live within the, the confines of morality, whether that's your morality or not. You can't just do shit like this and get away with it. So I'm hoping as this situation plays out, we'll see some real justice. Let's take a look at Super Chats. Zolfner, can I be in your lap? I think that's relegated to the cat. I think that's the cat's duty, and she does a damn fine job. Carl Sagan sent an awful sticker. That's cool. I like that. Did I say awful or awesome? I meant to say awesome. The doctor, message from Nervardia. Happy Sunday. Happy Sunday. Thank you. When we come back, we're going to talk about Pastor John Bernstein outright calling for dictatorship and the fall of democracy, as long as it means his guy gets to be the dictator. So give us 30 seconds, and we'll be right back. You're listening to the Telltale Channel. Don't forget to check me out on all social media, Patreon, Twitter, Teespring, and Etsy. All links can be found in the description or on my website, telltaleatheist.com. The 
the first article I wanted to take a look at is on rightwingwatch.org, and the title is Josh Bernstein Urges Trump to Take Drastic Action to Stop Democrats from Allegedly Stealing the Election. This is by Kyle Mantilla. So let's give it a read and see what it has to say. During his appearance on the Nutramedical Report last Thursday, radical right-wing commentator Josh Bernstein baselessly claimed that Democrats are supposedly trying to steal the White House from President Donald Trump. In order to prevent this from happening, Bernstein urged Trump to declare martial law, use the military to arrest poll workers in swing states, toss out any ballot counted after the polls closed on Election Day, and force a new election. There's a lot to unpack here, and there's actually a... Uh, an audio clip that goes with it. So let's listen to the audio clip. I think we need drastic, and I mean drastic measures, in order to change what's going on. The first thing I would do if I was President Trump is I would call the Insurrection Act in right now. Right on, right on, rah, rah. The first thing you do is you quell all violence, and you stop all violence with the military or the National Guard. The second thing you do you declare martial law in the country right now, and you send in armed military and National Guard folks into every single one of these swing states where they are counting ballots, and you force them to stop counting ballots right then and there. And if not, they are taken away by the military and arrested. This is bizarre. This guy is an extreme right-wing conservative evangelical nutcase. These are the types of people who hate the government, and in the words of Grover Norquist, they want the government small enough that you can drown it in a bathtub. That's what Grover Norquist said. That's what these people stand for. How can he possibly justify martial law and arresting poll workers in swing states and and forcing a new election this is so bizarre to me i mean these are the same people who said obama was going to institute martial law and refuse to leave office that that's who we're dealing with those people and they're saying that's what trump should do they're encouraging it what is going on in this country what is happening with these people They are fucking nuts. They have gone off the deep end and just kept going. There's a part two to this. Let's listen. And then the next thing what we do is we end up having a situation where we do an immediate injunction to the Supreme Court. Thank God we have Amy Coney Barrett on the court. And we make a ruling. I just want to point something out before we continue. This is how dictatorships take hold. This is how they start, and this is how they maintain power, by taking hold of the court system, by installing judges who are loyal to the dictator or loyal to the party, the specific party. And they set up media apparatuses, apparati, that will carry water for them. That won't, re- that won't report the bad, who will only report the good. And up to now, for the past four years, that has been Fox News. It's essentially state media, like you would find in North Korea or China or Russia or anywhere else that has a dictatorship. 
Fox News has effectively acted as state media, the same as any other dictatorship up to now. And the moment that they break from Donald Trump, it gets ugly. I've heard all kinds of news about Trump trashing Fox News. All of Trump's supporters fucking hate Fox News all of a sudden. They're going to this network called Newsmax. I'd never heard of it. It's, it's like low-budget Fox News, apparently. But they will spread propaganda and carry water for, the, for Donald Trump specifically. Not just the Republican Party, but Donald Trump specifically. They'll say and do anything to appease him. This is dictator territory. I'm not joking. I'm not being hyperbolic. This is how dictators do it. They capture the justice system and they make it work for them in their favor. So let's listen. With that in mind, let's listen to that part again from Josh Bernstein. You end up having a situation where we do an immediate injunction to the Supreme Court. Thank God we have Amy Coney Barrett on the court. Thank God he's captured the court system and it will work for him. That's what he's saying. And we make a ruling that says any vote that has been counted after the close of the polls on election night in that respective state, every vote that was counted after the polls closed is null and void, 100%. Okay, so um, Pennsylvania, for example, I don't know if other states did this, but Pennsylvania at the very least... Uh, they segregated ballots that arrived after Election Day, but only like 30% of the votes or something like that were counted on Election Night. They were almost uncounted entirely by midnight on Election Night. That's never how elections in the U.S. have worked. You have 350 million people in this country. I think around uh, 100. 40 million voters, somewhere in there, right? How can you possibly expect to count 140 million votes in the span of four hours from when polls close to midnight? So say 8 o'clock at night, 8.30 in some areas, to midnight. Not to mention the time zones. I mean, Alaska is, what, four, five, six hours behind the East Coast? How can you possibly justify such a ridiculous idea? Stop counting votes after election night? Nobody has ever done that in the whole history of our elections. No one has ever done that. Stop accepting votes after election night, like new votes. You know, I'm on the same page. As long as they're postmarked before or on election day, then I'm okay with it. We shouldn't have voting after Election Day, basically. At any rate, um, Pennsylvania did segregate those ballots, and there is a possibility that they'll get thrown out. Who knows? Probably not, because I think there's already a legal ruling that they can count them as long as they arrive with the postmark, up to like 12 days after or something like that. But it doesn't really matter if those were thrown out. It wouldn't make a difference anyways. Biden won Pennsylvania, fair and square. That's just what it is, man. Let's keep listening. You either do one of two things. You either count the votes that you already have in to that point and determine your winner, or... That's what we did. We, we counted the votes that we had in at that point. 
We didn't take new votes after election day. Does this guy think people were voting in the, on the 5th or the 6th? Voting stopped after the November 3rd or whatever election night was. There were no more votes being cast. We were just counting past that point. It just so happens that USPS sent the votes slowly in some areas. Um, so we rightly had to wait. As long as the postmark was on or before election day, it can still be counted. That was legally decided in court long before the election actually took place, long before election day. You either do one of two things. You either count the votes that you already have in to that point and determine your winner, or you get rid of the entire election 100%. Every state, you're doing a complete redo, and you have the election on January 3rd. Just because your fucking asshole lost? Just because your dude lost, you'd want to redo the election? What if your dude won? Would you want to redo the election then? You guys remember when Trump talked about delaying the election? An extremely anti-democratic idea. New Zealand actually did delay their election by like a few weeks or a month or something. I don't remember why. For safety reasons, something like that. But it made international news. I heard about it in the United States. You know why? Because that's one step that a dictator can take to seize control. Delaying an election is a bad fucking idea. Elections are so fucking important. Elections are the only thing right now that keep us from slipping into dictatorship. It's one of the key things that prevents us from slipping into dictatorship. Eventually, New Zealand did hold their election, and the New Zealand prime minister, I believe, won by a landslide. One fair and square. Everybody seemed to like the way she responded to COVID and, and all of that other shit. But delaying an election, even for somebody who's very beloved, raises red flags, as it should. Screaming about fraud like Donald Trump did in 2016 after the Iowa caucus, that damages democracy. That's what dictators do. They scream about fraud and they sow chaos and discord and want people to distrust the system. Dictators want the people to believe that they are the only ones that can be trusted. Everybody else is cheating and lying and scamming. Take over the judicial system, raise questions about the elections, Take control of the military. Things like this are how dictators operate. And it's really fucking disturbing to hear somebody outright advocate for doing away with an election or instating martial law and arresting poll workers. What the fuck, dude? This guy has gone off the deep end. Sadly... He's not the only one. When we come back, we're going to talk about Robert Jeffress breaking with Donald Trump and referring to Biden as president-elect. So give us 30 seconds, and we'll be right back. You're listening to the Telltale Channel. Don't forget to check me out on all social media, Patreon, Twitter, Teespring, and Etsy. All links can be found in the description or on my website, telltaleatheist.com.
The next article I want to take a look at is entitled Pastor Who Denounces Hypocrisy Flip-Flops on When Someone is President-Elect. This is by Hemant Mehta on the Friendly Atheist website, so let's give it a read and see what it has to say. Over the weekend, Pastor Robert Jeffress wrote in an article for Fox News that Joe Biden will become the next president. I'm sure if you've been watching me for a while, you're perfectly aware of who Robert Jeffress is, because I talk about him a lot. Um, I've been following him for a while. He is one of the biggest representatives of the evangelical voting bloc that there is. He's a complete nutcase and very bigoted and hateful, like Steven Anderson of the NIFB in many ways. Um, so I'm actually genuinely surprised that he said this bit about Joe Biden becoming the next president. Anyway, let's continue reading. There were unnecessary caveats in the article, like saying legal challenges by Donald Trump could possibly undo the election, but the implication was that Jeffress was accepting reality and everyone else should as well. Good news. Here's the thing with the election. Ultimately, we don't have one big election in the United States. That's not really how the system works. It's really 50 smaller elections. If, if Donald Trump wants to undo the results, he has to fight in court in each individual state. Like, he has to fight in Pennsylvania for one very specific thing. He has to fight in Nevada for one very specific thing. Same in Arizona and Georgia. At this point... Biden has won so many states that Trump would have to flip a minimum of three, bare minimum of three. His best bet would probably be, actually, I wrote this down, hang on. The four smallest margins of victory for Biden were in order. Arizona, Biden won by 10,000. Georgia, he won by 14,000 votes. Wisconsin, he won by 20,500 and Nevada, he won by 34,000 votes. He would have to flip basically all four of those to be able to have a chance at getting the presidency. And each one, there isn't one single lawsuit that he can file to flip all four. He has to file lawsuits in each individual state. Now, I can see Trump fighting and screaming and throwing himself on the floor and knocking shelves over until he gets what he wants in one state, but not four. Zero chance of that. Uh, he has presented no evidence of fraud so far that I have seen and I've been watching. Once he provides evidence of fraud, I'll take another look. As I solemnly swear to do in every situation, I will be impartial, as impartial as possible. I am wrong about some things in my life. Some opinions that I hold are incorrect. The chances that I don't hold any incorrect opinions is astronomical. I, I must be wrong about something. My goal in life is to figure out what that thing is and correct it. So I am open to the possibility that maybe there was voter fraud. I'm open to anything. It's possible that anything happened. Haven't seen a lick of evidence. Nothing. Until I see evidence, I'm not believing it. I'm just not buying into it. It's the same reason I'm an atheist. Until I see evidence of something, I'm not going to believe it, period. So anyways... Let's continue reading. This is from the article that Robert Jeffress wrote. It appears that former Vice President Joe Biden will become the 46th President of the United States on January 20th. That in itself is a really big deal that he said that. 
unless President Trump succeeds in legal challenges to the counting of votes in several states. Several states. Like I said, it would take at least three or four, depending on which ones he flipped. For, uh, for millions of Christians across our nation, this is a bitter pill to swallow. Here's our chance to show that Christians are not hypocrites. We serve a God who remains on his throne, sovereignly reigning over every square inch of this vast universe. God. He's so fucking full of it, man. We serve a God who loves us and will never leave or forsake us. And now we have the chance to show the consistency and constancy of our Christian witness to this world. When Joe Biden becomes president, we should commend him for the things he does right. We should condemn the things he does wrong. And above all, we must pray fervently for our president. Because, you know, prayer has been proven without a shadow of a doubt to actually do something, right? If President Biden succeeds, we all succeed. May God bless Joe Biden and may God bless the United States of America. I feel it's really fucking rich coming from this guy. This line about hypocrisy. He's suddenly concerned about not looking like a hypocrite. That's hilarious to me. I mean, if you're wondering in what ways he has acted hypocritically, just go look at my backlog of videos. I've done videos on my main channel about him and on my podcast channel. Just go take a look and you'll see the hypocrisy plain as day. It's, it's absolutely disgusting. But... On this note, if President Biden succeeds, we all succeed. May God bless Joe Biden. I actually said that bit about Trump, too. If, if Trump succeeds, we all succeed. I was rooting for him. I was rooting for Trump. It's like we're in an airplane, and there's a giant orange orangutan in the cockpit, and he's locked himself in, and nobody can get in. Do I think he's going to succeed? No. Is there a chance he might? I guess. There's a chance that anything could happen. A pink dragon could appear out of thin air in front of me. I mean, it's possible, I guess. Do I want him to succeed desperately? Yes. I am hoping with everything in me that he succeeds. Of course, we know now Trump failed miserably because he didn't give a fuck about the country. He gave a fuck about his ego and nothing else. So that hope fell flat in my case. But I said the same thing. I said the same thing that Jeffress said here. If President Biden succeeds, we all succeed. So I'm glad he's taking that perspective. May God bless Joe Biden and may God bless the United States of America. That's what he said. This is Hemant Mehta speaking now. It's irrelevant that Jeffress isn't happy with the results. His preferred candidate lost. He's supposed to move on. His article suggested a path forward for fellow conservative Christians. But in the days since that article came out, a number of media outlets have reported on how Jeffress, unlike most of the other Trump cultists, was accepting the results of the election instead of screaming about fraud or other shenaniganery. That's my word, by the way. The, the word here is shenanigans, but I'm trying to make the word shenaniganery more common in the English language. So He was actually embracing the vote counts. One outlet even declared Jeffress jumps off the Trump bandwagon. No wonder Jeffress is now backtracking. Last night, he reminded his followers that he remains a MAGA cultist today, a MAGA cultist tomorrow, and a MAGA cultist forever. This is a quote. This is from Robert Jeffress's Twitter account. This is what he said. Don't believe some false media reports that I have broken with our great president, Donald Trump. I support him completely. We do not have a president-elect until Electoral College votes December 14th. 
I will discuss on Lou Dobbs tonight, Friday. Okay. Uh, that's an interesting point. We do not have a president-elect until Electoral College votes December 14th. That's not accurate. Um, we can look and determine if we have a president-elect based on the number of votes in each state, and that's what we've done since the founding of the country. So I don't buy this Electoral College votes December 14th bullshit. He's just trying to make it clear that he supports Trump still, more than likely. Trump probably called him and gave him a good chewing out. That'd be my guess. But if anybody is wondering how this works, I've looked into it a little bit. I'm not 100% sure on the day, but states have, I think, 20 days after the election to certify their results. And Trump just filed a lawsuit not long ago in Pennsylvania to prevent them from certifying their results. Ultimately, it doesn't really matter because Pennsylvania, you know, adds to Biden's victory, but isn't the sole state that determined it. You know, Georgia pushed it over the edge. There's no coming back for Trump after Georgia went to Biden. Uh, Nevada, Wisconsin, Michigan, Arizona, they're all in Biden's camp. And Trump has zero chance of winning at this point. So... He can bitch about Pennsylvania not certifying their results or try to prevent them from certifying all he wants. It's not going to work, honestly. Anyways, like I said, 20 days, I believe, after the election takes place is how long the states have to certify their results. That's when the rubber stamp hits the paper from the Federal Elections Committee, I believe. I heard it was November 16th this year. I heard it was November 20th. But 20 days after the election would be the 23rd. So sometime in the next week, it will be official and irreversible. He is president-elect. The Electoral College does vote on December 14th, and some states are required to vote with their districts, but not all. I understand Trump was trying to go this faithless elector route where he was going to try to convince some Electoral College voters to vote for him against their districts. Um, that has happened in history where a couple have broken off and voted for the other candidate against their districts. At this point, it it's illegal in most situations, so they legally have to vote for their districts. Um, but it's never overturned an election. It's only ever been a couple of them. I remember in 2016, they were talking about trying to get the Electoral College to vote against Donald Trump because that's the whole fucking purpose of the Electoral College, to be a safeguard against possible tyrants, to be a safeguard to protect America against a dictatorship. They can vote against the dictator even if the people voted for him and prevent him from taking office. Um, a couple did, I heard. A couple of electors did vote against Donald Trump when they were supposed to vote for him. But ultimately, it didn't happen. The point behind all of this is Robert Jeffress saying we don't have a president-elect until December 14th. That's just bullshit. That's just not how this system has ever worked in the whole two, 300-year history of the U.S. That's not how it works. Biden is the president-elect. I'm sorry to tell everybody. Let's keep reading. This is Hemant Mehta again. Jeffress says in that tweet that he's still on Team Trump and insists we do not have a president-elect until the Electoral College votes on December 14th, which is both technically true and entirely misleading. The election is over. Biden won. The Electoral College votes should be a mere formality at this point. 
But it's also a radical shift from what Jeffress said the day after the election in 2016, when he was already describing Trump as president-elect. Quote, we must pray for our new president-elect Trump. And yes, I would have said that had Hillary Clinton won election 2016. Fascinating. Interesting hypocrisy, right? We didn't have to go far for hypocrisy, did we? He said, let's not be hypocrites. Let's get behind Biden and pray for him because his success is our success. And within like a day, the dude is suddenly a hypocrite again. That did not take long. Fascinating. Let's keep reading. This is Hemet Mehta again. Weird how the Electoral College votes weren't a concern for him back then. I wonder what changed. For a man who wants to show that Christians are not hypocrites, he's individual one. He's a liar. He cannot be trusted. He's a partisan hack who roleplays as a pastor, and no one should take him seriously as a commentator on faith without acknowledging his lies. Yeah, 100% agree with Hemet Mehta on this one. The guy is a toxic mess. And I should really do a bigger expose on him at some point in the future. Honestly, the one thing that surprised me with this whole situation were his words right here. It appears that former Vice President Joe Biden will become the 46th president. Here's our chance to show that Christians are not hypocrites. And if Biden succeeds, we all succeed. That was extremely surprising to me. I genuinely did not expect one of the leaders of the evangelical movement to jump behind Biden. But it is a good sign. We need world leaders, European leaders, the Canadian leader, Justin Trudeau, the leader of France, the leader of Germany, the leader of the UK. We need everybody, Japan, everybody, to acknowledge Biden as the leader to prevent Trump from flipping the narrative because Biden is the winner, plain and simple. There's been no evidence provided in a court of law to prove anything. No evidence provided so far. As far as anybody should be concerned, Biden is the president-elect. If evidence surfaces... I have my doubts that it will, but I'm keeping an open mind. I will change my opinion, or I will consider it. I'll take a closer look at the very least. So far, this situation looks exactly like what Trump did in Iowa in 2016, saying that Ted Cruz rigged the Iowa caucus. Same exact bullshit coming out of Donald's mouth back then as is coming out right now. Let's take a look at Super Chats. Fran Wilson, for the kitties, thank you. If you stick around after the podcast, I may end up feeding them again uh, some treats. I appreciate that very much, and they appreciate it too. Dolphner, I lost my energy to anger people tonight. I want my state to vote for gay marriage. You should want your state to not be involved in people's personal lives at, at all if you're a real conservative. If you have a libertarian bone in your body, if you have a small government bone in your body, which you say you do. You should want the entire government out of it. Why are they involved at all? You should want gay marriage. You should be in favor of it. On a federal level, on a state level, on every level. They shouldn't be involved. It's an infringement on my rights to not be allowed to marry who I want to marry. That's big government shoving its boot on my neck. Artemis Brain Sample. 
What you got wrong about Trump is that the measure by which he succeeded had exactly dick to do with the rest of us. Dolphner, if the people don't donate, Trump wins. Oh, if people don't donate, Trump wins. People don't donate. I'm not sure what you mean on that one either. I'm confused. The Gatheist. Zolfner donated, meaning he doesn't want Trump to win. Victory. There you go. Boom. Zolfner voted for Biden anyways, though. Right? That's what I came to understand. Zolfner. Trump is our fearless leader. I'm sorry, man. You're just brainwashed. It's a real shame to see. It's really sad. I wonder if actually you're not a Trump supporter. I wonder if you're just running around trolling people and you don't believe any of this shit. If you are a troll, bear in mind it could be pretty dangerous to spread propaganda. Try making the troll aspect a little more obvious. Okay, Sticks Lurker. I think he's talking about the stock market. Trump loves when the stock market does well. Good point. You're right. You're right. Yeah, I bet you're right on that. Artemis Brain Sample. What you got wrong about Trump is that the measure by which he succeeded had exactly dick to do with the rest of us. Yeah, I think you're right. I don't think the stock market is a reflection of the economy. It's not an opinion. That's just true. It's not. It is not a reflection of the economy. The overall economy is in the fucking toilet right now, and people are dying on the streets because they're homeless, and it's winter. Holy fuck, dude. The U.S. is in a bad place right now. And the U.S. people are in a bad place. I am so insanely lucky that my income source, no matter how little or how much, can be generated from in my house. Holy fuck, dude. I, I feel so fucking lucky that I don't have to leave to work. Like, even if I was making, like, $600 a month, at least I'm working from home. Just Trump trashed this country. Just fucking ravaged it. Just destroyed it. And here we are. I don't know what I believe I am. I like to create thought, says Zolfner. I like discussing interesting ideas, too. I like discussing hard subjects. I don't like propaganda, though. I'm not a huge fan of propaganda. I think that's just toxic, harmful bullshit. Although, if you're interested, um, it's really, really crazy to go through the Donald.Win website. It is a cult message board in the truest sense. Just go through there and look at some of the crazy shit they say on there. Okay, that's where I'm going to end it for the night. Appreciate you guys coming on and giving this a listen, and I will talk to you next week. If you like what I do and you want to make sure I can continue to do it, you can support me in a few ways. First, you can support me on Patreon. That's probably the best way. But if you want to get something back for your support, you can check out my Teespring. I sell all kinds of shirts and stickers and stuff on there. Second, you can support me by checking out my Etsy store. I sell 3D printed stands for every system from the original Nintendo to the Xbox One. And finally, if you want to support me in other ways, you can check me out on my other channels. I have the podcast channel, which is where I talk about whatever's on my mind. Politics, social issues, Shoes, whatever. You can also find it everywhere podcasts can be found. Or you can check out the videos on my main channel where I focus on destructive cults. As it is with most channels these days, I rely on the support of viewers like you to keep my channel alive, so sharing my work is extremely helpful. Anyways, check me out in all those places if you haven't already. Thanks for listening, guys.